Hello, I am Joel McLeod. And I'm Roland Tanner. And welcome to the 905er. February, as many of you are aware, is Black History Month. Each year, during the month of February, figures and prominent individuals of African origin, whether they be activists, politicians, artists, musicians, authors, or historical figures, are front and center in our schools and libraries. People of African descent have lived and worked on this continent since the first Europeans arrived. Slavery was a part of colonization of the continent and is tied to the foundations of Canada as much as it is to the foundations of the United States. The struggles for equality existed here in the 905 and in Canada too. And yet how can over 400 years of history in North America be confined to merely one month of the year in our schools? No doubt you can agree this is a very, very surface level telling of a much rich and very much complex history here in Canada. So does this mean we are not doing a great job of telling what ultimately is our own story? The story of black Canadians, and for that matter, other minorities who have worked to build what today is the country of Canada and that we all wish to enjoy. On that note, we welcome back to the podcast, Kojo Danti to talk on the importance of Black History Month and how it ought to be a stepping stone to a much more rich and diverse conversation on the true history of this part of Ontario and Canada as a whole, and how it can help to dismantle systemic racism that permeates our culture. Kojo is the former executive director of the Hamilton Centre for Civic Inclusion. He is a former candidate for Hamilton City Council, an award-winning musician, and is an instructor at McMaster University. Kojo joins us today. Hello and welcome, uh, Kojo Dante, back uh, for a second round on the 905er. Uh, thank you very much for uh, taking the time for your schedule to come on to uh, discuss, uh, I guess, uh, it's a big topic, Black History Month uh, is going on right now. And, and yeah, uh, so thank you, family here. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, I, I find, I, I don't know why this is potentially a touchy subject. Like it, it, it's just, I've, it's always one of those things. Like I don't understand why we tend like it, it, black history month is, is mostly confined to our education system, but it's always something that I've always found to be, I've always puzzled. Like, why do we confine an entire group of people's history to one month? why 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 is it that we just say okay we'll do we'll focus on one month of education uh, on the history of black peoples in canada and that's that it, it might like I, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? am i am i am i not getting the right message here or 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 what, what's going on what what am i not getting right here so there are a couple of things. Uh, the 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 idea of Black History Month, whether it was with uh, 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 Watson in the states and here in Canada, uh, some advocacy groups that push the um, Canadian government and provincial government to talk about Black History Month, uh, comes from the fact that um, the 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 larger population. <laughs> Uh, do not know about the contributions of um, Black Canadians or 
African Americans or even Africans uh, mm-hmm. and the African diaspora. So this was meant as um, uh, a systemic way to institutionalize some of the contributions of uh, people of African descent across the world, right? Because when you have governments proclaim uh, a month, a day, whatever it might be, a period of time to say we need to focus or celebrate uh, contributions, then it brings into focus some of the things that uh, uh, people of African descent have contributed. Um, there's also the other piece of, um, you know, that that history uh, or histories is something too that exposes institutions, right? So whether we talk about uh, 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 America or Canada, it exposes some of the the atrocious things that um, these respective countries and Europe, other European countries uh, did to people of African descent. So you have that piece of it where institutions don't want to acknowledge what they've done and uh, people of African descent want to, uh, again, institutionalize or look at systemic ways in which uh, we can bring these issues and these histories uh, into focus for discussion, education, change in policy, and what have you. And I just want to clarify my last question because I realized it was very poorly worded. Uh, and so thank you, thank you for clarifying for that. But I, 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 I agree that the, the intent for that, and I'm just wondering, like, is... Reason why I brought it up is that you know my my daughter is in in school and so she's learning about um, she's showing about uh, Black history, but it's not Canadian Black history. I find I find you, you know when we when people say Black history, they focus they're talking we're talking about heroes. Okay, well who you're talking about? And they're talking about Dr. Martin Luther King. Okay, absolutely. Um, Rosa Parks. I said okay, yeah, the, these are very important people that we need to you need to learn about. But then when I ask like, why, why are they important? What do they do? And I, I, I found like the lesson that my, my daughter's being taught was just a little lackluster um, for the contributions that these individuals made to, to all of society. And uh, I, I'm just wondering, you know, in this, are we too afraid of actually teaching black history to our students? Uh, because I find that I just found that the the conversation was just like okay, Rosa Parks didn't want to give up her seat to a white man on the bus. It's like yeah, but there's more to it than just that. There's a the whole the idea again that systemic racism, the institutionalization, the legal system that was enforced upon her and her like uh, that civil discord, that civil disobedience to to strike change and and strike up a movement. And the, I was just, how how do you confine that to a whole? month uh and I, I, it's just i was like really, like so much more to this and just okay let's do a quick stu- unit on it and that's that's solve uh black anti-racism or that's the, that's going to solve institutional and systemic racism uh in our society yeah so you know i think for for uh, people of african descent our mantra has been uh, black history is not just February, <laughs> right? Yeah, so for, yeah. for, for yeah. us, 
it's it's uh three hundred and sixty five days uh uh throughout the throughout the uh throughout the year. And I think what you are discussing is what people of African descent have always been trying to um bring attention to, right? So let's take since we're in Canada, let's yes, look at you. the Canadian let's look thank at you. the Canadian context. So um Let's take Hamilton, for example. There were black um, communities that were together, that were formed black settlements um, before Hamilton was even created as, as a city, right? So some of those black settlements were actually dispersed um, by the prov provincial uh, 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 government. That is not discussed, right? Uh, let's take um, Jackie, Jackie Washington, uh, the first black um, radio host uh, at CHML. He used to hang out with Count Basie and, and other jazz uh, musicians uh, across the world. And when they would come to Hamilton, they would play in the bar, but they were not allowed to stay in the hotel. <laughs> right um there's there's also uh, uh stories of uh kkk uh members marching on on james street downtown james street and actually there was an incident between um uh an indigenous black uh person and a white woman who were going to be married and and uh, there were KKK members in Oakville and Burlington and Hamilton that were really upset. And they actually got a police escort to, <laughs> to go and disrupt this uh, uh, marriage that was, that was happening. So I think those instances are not discussed and those instances are not um, taught in schools, um, uh, highlighted publicly. And we tend to cherry pick the things that make white people comfortable so i have a dream speech or viola desmond or um lincoln alexandra right those things make us comfortable right um but the 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 institutional racism and the individual racism those things are not uh talked about this weekend, um, we're going to be having the John C. Holland Awards uh, that was named after John, John C. Holland, who was the uh, 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 Reverend Minister Stewart Memorial Church. Stewart Memorial Church was part of the Underground Railroad um, here, here in Hamilton. And uh, John C. Holland had to, you know, talk about uh, racial discrimination in, in, in the hiring process here in Hamilton. Various uh, institutions were talking about the steel, steel mills, Hamilton police, all of those things. But those things are not uh, talked about. So I think um, that's, that's what happens during Black History Month. A number of uh, uh, Black community members go into, the, into schools and, and have uh, talks and discussions to highlight these specific instances. But uh, the general celebration would focus on the Viola Desmonds, the Rosa Parks, the Martin Luther King. And even with Martin Luther King, people tend to focus on the peaceful, 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 <laughs> I'll put it in, 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 in quotes, aspects of things and not talk about, 
some of the 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 civil disobedience and poignant things uh he 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 talked about when dealing with um with segregation and uh, uh, uh and anti anti black racism that is Martin Luther King it reminds me of that spent extent of of how you know I I grew up watching um uh, South Africa and uh, Nelson Mandela while while he was still in prison and in Britain Britain had a shockingly bad or British government at the time under Margaret Thatcher had a shockingly bad attitude towards apartheid I mean, even though it officially didn't it's officially against it it would do nothing about it it wouldn't stop trading with apartheid it wouldn't I mean I'm telling you what you already know but just in case anybody listening doesn't and the the kind of excuse for that often was that well you know um the ANC uh, won't uh, completely renounce violence. Um, uh, the, you know, the, the basically they're a terrorist organization, just like the IRA was what people would say. You know, it's like, well, the ANC are no better than the IRA. Nelson Mandela was a terrorist. Now, when we look back, and I mean, that was all complete horseshit, by the way. <laughs> but um, now, when Nelson Mandela came out of prison, there was this transformation in because he became a more comfortable figure for for white people, and now no one would dare say, "Well, yeah, the see you know, and that's kind of happened with Martin Luther King. That there's been there is a process of of, of almost um, appropriating Black history, if you like, to comfortable white narratives. Is that something you'd say that happens? Yes, I think it 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 happens a lot. Um, I think uh, that's what white supremacy does, right? It it allows uh, white institutions and and white people to cherry pick what makes them comfort comfortable. Um, uh, there's a documentary. It's called The Ninth Floor, and uh, I don't know if you've seen it or not. It talks about um, anti-black racism in uh, in Montreal. Uh, there were there were there were a number of black students at the time that took over uh, the ninth floor of uh, one of the departments, uh, protesting uh, some of the things that uh, the the university was doing at the at the time. So I think you know the 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 broad and extensive ways in which anti-black racism works, whether it's in Canada, America or even on the continent, right? Um, uh, One month does not uh, give you the opportunity to delve into it. And our curriculums don't even have the time to do that because if they did that, that would mean that we would have to rethink what our society and our institutions do, right? Um, so you can talk about our public public institutions, whether it's our public school boards, universities, our healthcare system, policing system, and even our governing system. Right? I I, I always tell people there was a point where only white men that owned property could be elected to office. Right? So when you have a system that says that, that's why enslavement exists because you are literally putting into law the the exclusion and marginalization of people that do not own property. And that goes, um, whether it's to Black populations, Indigenous populations, and at that time, women, 
white women and other women as well. So um, when we start looking at all of these structural things, then we begin to uh, ask ourselves, the current system that we have, is it truly working for everybody? Well, I, I, on that note, like you, you, this, a lot of the stuff that you that you just mentioned to us uh, at the start, you know, that was stuff that I, I, I you, you kind of enlightened me as we were talking. Like this is stuff I did not know uh, about Canadian history, and and like we aren't we're not taught about that in Canadian schools. It's just it's not something we're ta- we're told about. Like the you know story of like Africville in Nova Scotia. That I didn't find until far later in my in my education, which was uh you know it's a, it's a shame, but you know that that we you're not allowed to connect these threads between the past and the present, right? It's kind of like the past happened then, and now is now, and the two never shall meet. Um, and that's what I, I thought. You know, we we talk about like Lincoln Alexander, you know, the first uh, uh, black uh, uh, lieutenant uh, governor general in in. Uh, uh, in the in Ontario, and it's like wow, that's such a great you know. Congratulations to that to him. But we never asked the question: How did it take so long for us to have a black government? You know, you know, a, a, a black man elected to office in, in that way. Like, why, why, why was there such a huge gap between Confederation and recent history? And that discussion never happens. I find. Yes, and I mean we can we can go on and on. Uh, a, a little tidbit: if if I had won, I I would have been the second <laughs> black counselor in the whole of uh, Hamilton's uh, but, Hamilton's history. But isn't that like what we're talking about? Like, like that history of thread to the present day. Like, why is that the case? Why is Sorry, I interrupted you. And I, I'm just. I'm, no, no, I'm, that's I'm okay. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. Yes, and and that's why that's why you know for people of African descent, we say that is that is anti-black racism. That is white supremacy at work. And um, you know, I gave a keynote in in Bramford uh, last week, and I and I said we need we need white folks to start. Um, ha- having some of these discussions and also challenging these ideas. Um, you, you mentioned the idea of not connecting the threads. Um, I think uh, on, my, on my Twitter, I put a, I put a screen, uh, a photo of a poster that said, you know, um, the mayor of Boston and police officers were supposed to um, uh, uh, kidnap, uh, uh, freed, uh, freed, freed, uh, 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 black, black folks. And someone said, well, that was a hundred and something years ago. But the thread there was to say, if you had an institution, the, the government and police officers literally going out to catch people, kidnap them. And now, a hundred and so years later, you still have those institutions brutalizing Black, Indigenous, and racialized people. What is the threat? (laughs) For us, we get the threat. But it looks like white folks and other folks don't get the threat. So, uh, 
that's that's the that's also the purpose of having um having us talk about Black History Month. And I think there are a number of Canadian historians that also say, you know, uh, Black history is Canadian history. But then uh, when we talk about something like uh, Sir John uh, MacDonald, <laughs> there's, there's a strength in that is our history. We need to talk about it. Don't take down the statue. Okay. But then... <laughs> When now yeah. we talk about the yeah. impacts yeah. Yeah. of that history, everybody says, no, that was a hundred and what so years ago. So uh, again, uh, for us, we know the threats. We know the impacts. And now that's the general public and people who do not know or haven't been exposed to this. Are they starting to get the threats? And I think some folks are. Some folks aren't. One last example is um, uh, we in Hamilton, we, we featured 16 black um, Hamiltonians. Their banners can be seen on James Street North. And we have posters and biographies of all these individuals in libraries and municipal centers. There's uh, Sophia Pooley, who was enslaved to Joseph Brandt and Samuel Hatt. Those individuals have their, their names and their stories etched in Hamilton. And yet Sophia's story is not etched in Hamilton, right? So that speaks to how, again, uh, our institutions are built to exclude Black and Indigenous and racialized folks while upholding white history and white white uh ideas about what is important and what is not important i guess there's a couple of things i want to ask uh, I, I mean i think there's there's a huge problem that the the history teaching in canada canada is a country that is very bad at, at understanding its past um and and you know the the story used to be i remember when i when i came to canada because my background was as a historian and uh, People would say, well, you know, Canadian history is so boring, nothing ever happened, you know. And it, but that's actually the myth, right? That Canada is Canada the good. The problems that the US had or other countries had were, you know, okay, maybe Canada wasn't perfect, but it was so much better. You know, the the uh the R RCMP were a peacekeeping. I mean, I read this was written in a recent biography of John A. MacDonald, that the RCMP were basically a peacekeeping force to, you know. It's like, well, why are they dressed like soldiers? You know, that, that's uh, that's the only reason for wearing red. It's because they're meant to look like the military, not like like, like the police. Um, uh, and there's that comfortable myth of Canada, good, which made which made Canadian history very boring because it's like, well, we never did anything really controversial. And the facts of it are that that Canadian history is very interesting because just the same things were happening as happened everywhere else where colonialism happened and where uh, uh, oppression of other people happened uh, and all those other things. Um, now, I had a question and it's gone right out of my head, which is what happens when we record early in the morning. Um, uh, uh, but I mean, I guess that's part of the, I think it has, I feel like that's a big part of the reason why there's kind of a pushback always against um, people pointing out the crimes of the past because it because it for white people it's like we have this comfortable sense of self and you know our Canadian sense of Canadian pride is wrapped up in all those comfortable ideas 
And when, when that's attacked, it's like, oh, I don't want that to be taken away from me. I mean, is, is, again, is that, is that kind of something that, that you feel is going on with, with, with this whole sort of issue? Yes, I, I think that's it. You know, I also think that, again, that means that you have to reorient how you think and how you, how you behave and how you interact with institutions, right? I, 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 I use the term white luxury, right? You, certain white people have the luxury to say, no, that isn't our history. But Black communities that have been here before Hamilton was, was even uh, a, a city do not have that luxury, right? And one thing I, always, I also say is, let's take, you talked about Canadian history. There were Jap- Japanese internment camps. Uh, the, 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 the Ministry of Immigration at the time, uh, during World War II, penned away uh, ships that had uh, Jewish, Jewish uh, uh, communities and folks that were leaving World War II, right? And, and the reason they turned those ships away was the, was the same reason that uh, 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 Black people have been marginalized, excluded, uh, Chinese communities have been excluded, Japanese communities have been excluded. And even to make it further complicated, Italian communities, Irish communities, right? So for us, when we're talking about these issues, yes, it might say Black History Month, but we do understand all the different ways in which other communities have been marginalized. And that's why I say sometimes people feel like when they hear these stories, it's so grotesque and comes with guilt. They don't know what to do. So the thing is, okay, this this happened years ago. Let's not talk about it. But for us, we're talking about it because we need to change the systems because they are going to continue. And if we do not change the systems, <laughs> it's going to get uh, uh, to a position where now people get, get frustrated. And le- another point too is, when, when we say people of African descent, remember that people's, the way people identify are also, uh, 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 they vary, right? You, you, could be, you could identify as black, but maybe you're black and Latino. You could identify as black, but you're black and Jewish. You could identify as black, but you're black and queer. Right, you could you could be a black uh, uh, Italian Canadian, right? So let's not think that when one uh, 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 identity is talked about, we are not thinking about how they relate to other identities that have been historically um, under-reserved, underrepresented, or marginalized. So I think that's one of the things that also prevent people from, uh, from engaging or even thinking that this is something that they have to respond uh, to. Um, you know, so there's something you mentioned earlier in the, in the conversation was, uh, you know, I, I, I personally think it all comes down to our education system. I think that you, you, we, we need to start tearing back some of the curtains that, that we've been, or some of the stories that we've been told, uh, at least as a, as a white Canadian growing up, like 
the story was always the, uh, our relationship in the underground railroad was just, Oh, we're the last stop, right? We're the, all the, all the uh, slaves running away from the South. When they came to Canada and everything was hunky dory and perfect ever since no, no problems. That was, that was the narrative that I was fed. And so, and that's what a lot of white Canadians were fed. So, you know, in the last few years, like when we've seen stories of um, like in Kamloops with the, 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 mass graves uh at the residential schools that come out like that i know for indigenous any indigenous canadian who's listening now they said well that was our history for white canadians that was a shock to us we had no idea that that was going on we just we like i know for myself when i first heard that story i was like oh my god that's horrific like that was done that was done in our name to these people and I'm not saying this to apologize. I'm just saying like that. I think for a lot of white Canadians, that was a shocker. Like we're just that, that was not the story that we were told growing up. That was not what was taught in our history classes. And so I bring it back to the to education system and say like, do we, you know, how can we revamp our education system, change our curriculum, change our processes so that we tell the true history of Canada, the, the successes along with the failures so that we learn the lessons of the past so that we don't repeat them in the, in the present we fix the, we cut the threads as you speak in the present, and we can kind of start building a better future for all Canadians, so that Black, Indigenous, uh, LGBTQ, and White Canadians, we can all build a better country, better province, and a better, you know, better cities uh, that we can all live harmoniously. Am I, I, I? Maybe I'm talking a utopian pipe dream here, but I really do think it comes down to our education system. If if you can schedule a meeting with Minister Leche and have that done, that would be great. I, I've been trying to get him on the podcast for years, Kodro. <laughs> you know that 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 was just that was just me being rhetorical. I I I I I. I so what you are saying is what has, what black and indigenous communities have been saying for eons, right? We know, I don't know why, the, why, 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 uh, other folks in the country don't know. You can, you can even talk about, uh, missing and murdered indigenous women and girls and two spirit people, right? Mm-hmm. This is something that has been going on with 60 scoop. Like the, the, the it's been going on, Right. So, if you were to change the curriculum, right, it is going to take a monumental change. I'll give you one example. Um, uh, the, the organization I work with, the Hamilton Center for Civic Inclusion, um, the Ministry of Education gave us a grant to look at safety uh, in schools for Black students. In the recommendations, one, one of them were that uh, black students wanted, you know, a, 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 a black grad coach, someone that they could they could go to, uh, confide in, help with support, all of that stuff. So we released this report. It's sent to the ministry. We don't know what's happening. It's probably on a shelf somewhere. Um, and it took, I would say, maybe a year and a half. Um, for the Catholic board to implement a black grad coach system, okay? I'm amazed that they did. I mean, well, uh, well, it's almost, you know, it's almost fast by the by the speed of government. Yeah, well, there's there's something called community organizing that that allows for that to to happen in some expedient ways. So, well um, <laughs> so 
they eventually implemented implemented the system. Good. However, we are hearing that there's pushback because of this system that has been implemented. Why? Because some people believe that's reverse racism, right? So what does that, what does that say? Um, if you have a, a public education systems and they believe that supporting uh, Black and other racialized students is reverse racism, what does that tell you about the society that we are in and the, the, the stranglehold that white supremacy has, right? Because when people say reverse racism, what does that mean? Are you saying that racism exists? Because then it means you're saying racism exists, but it's reversed. Okay, so if racism exists, then what were you doing to address the initial racism that you think exists to now say that there's reverse racism? It's it's just it's it's a theme of of it's just a, it's just the theme of the last few years of, of the sort of, of the Trump era if we if we're forced to call it that everything that's happened uh, with this what's well, basically a massive white reaction to the suggestion that maybe you shouldn't have automatic well privilege you know that that <laughs> that everybody should have the same amount of opportunity and the reaction always is that. When when it's suggested that the you know something that's been said to me numerous times by different people is well you can't get a job here anymore because all the jobs go to black people all the jobs go to women now all the jobs go to people who aren't blonde women or I mean that's something that was said to me uh, and it's like no that's not what's happening what's happening is that you used not to have to compete in the market with anybody who wasn't blonde who wasn't white. <laughs> And now you're having to compete on, on, on hopefully, a, 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 you know, a, a more equal playing field. But even that kind of uh, has created this massive reaction uh, amongst, you know, a really upsettingly large uh, sector of kind of white society. And we were seeing the, 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 the federal conservatives basically embrace that movement. Uh, I mean, how, I don't know, stupid question. How do we turn this around? <laughs> um, how do we turn this around? I think, you know, there's there's always, I don't know if you've seen this uh, picture of, uh, of a huge um, iceberg where, uh, you know, there's a little tip at the, at the, on the top and then underneath the sea there's this huge <laughs> there's this huge uh iceberg and i think um all of us have to start chipping away at the at the iceberg that's underneath um it may seem insurmountable um but i look at it this way in in the 1800s there were europeans that came up with this idea of scientific racism Right, that if you look at people's skulls and the color that they 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 uh, they exhibit their skin color, that ties into their superiority and their inferiority. Right, obviously, twenty twenty three that sounds ludicrous, but during that time, that was then weaponized, right, to enslave people, to starve people, to commit genocide 
to do all of these these uh these things and i think sometimes people have inherently accepted that idea of scientific racism right so when you see black people you think you have your own stereotypes when you see indigenous folks you have your own stereotypes those things come from uh, uh centuries of writing and talking about people in certain ways so we have to uh undo all of that work we we have to talk about sophia uh Pooley. we have to talk about john c holland awards we have to um, talk about the 60 scoops. We have to talk about the ways in which indigenous communities and black communities were working uh, uh, together, right? There are stories of indigenous communities supporting uh, folks, folks that were, uh, uh, folks that were running away from, uh, from, from, from the state. So those are all of the things that we have to do and it has to be done collectively. So, I mean, we're, we're coming up on our time here, but I mean, actually just, I thought maybe, you know, given you extremely knowledgeable uh, on the subject, clearly. Um, and I thought maybe, you know, in the last few minutes we have here, I mean, what are some stories that we might not have heard, that our listeners might not have heard um, uh, uh, about um, the experience of, of Black Canadians, uh, of people living in Canada, uh, uh uh, you know, you've mentioned a few already, but 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 give us give us some more examples of, of things that really should be uh, better known, perhaps. Yeah, so I talked about Sophia Pooley. I talked about John C. Uh, Holland Awards. Um, I'll mention Dr. Uh, Tilly Johnson. She started. Uh, she had a a Caribbean food store at the Hamilton's Market, first one um, that would uh, sell uh, uh, Caribbean products, African products, and actually even sued the city of uh, of Hamilton for and one and one for for discriminatory um, acts. We also have Denise J. Brooks. Den Denise J. Brooks uh, was an advocate for health equity here in Hamilton. She was the executive director of uh, Hamilton Urban Corps. And um, Hamilton Urban Corps is going to be uh, opening a new building up on, I believe, Cannon Street. And so that building is going to be called the Denise uh, J. Brooks uh, Building. And Hamilton Urban Corps has been working with uh, many, many communities around uh, um, outcomes of uh, public health. We also have Vince Hall. Vince Hall was one of the founders of the African Caribbean, uh, African Canadian Caribbean Association. Uh, they are one of the most prominent uh, Black organizations here in Hamilton that have been supporting uh, the Caribbean community, the Black community. They have a uh, they have a building on Barton, and they also have another building at uh, 423 King Street. That's where HCCI and other, other organizations, uh, uh, that's where uh, our, offices, our offices are. So those, those are some of the, the, the key highlights in terms of um, individ individuals that, uh, that are living uh, with us, um, we have uh, Terry Bedminster, Sa uh, Saja Stiller. Um, these are folks that organize the John C. Holland uh, Awards, and so uh, we'll be celebrating that with them this this uh, this Saturday. And uh, uh, also a, a last shout out to 
the French Center up on um, Barton Street. They also support the uh, Afro African Francophone uh, community because uh, that's that's another uh, uh, demographic of folks here in Hamilton that are largely unseen and unknown. So um, shout outs to the French uh, Center. Okay, well, we should probably leave it there. We'll put some links into the, the show notes to something uh, to John C. Holland Awards and, uh, and, 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 and a few other things. Uh, and uh, thanks again, Kojo, for, for uh, joining us today. I'm sure we'll, we'll speak to you again in the future. And uh, uh, yeah, enjoy it. Is that the right word? Enjoy the rest of the month. I don't know. Uh, uh, let's just turn it into black talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop talking. Yeah, yeah. Good, good, always good advice for me, uh, particularly before midday. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Kojo. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, have a good weekend. Thanks. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. Did Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.